out of here. It's a good day. Scram, beat it. All right. Well, hey, we are in a series. This is like week nine of a series. I'm excited about this series. Obviously, it's throughout the whole summer. We've been looking into the, diving into the book of Philippians and uh, just kind of looking at it little by little by little. We're finishing up chapter three today. We're going to kind of tail into chapter four just a little bit. Uh, but it's this paradox of joy and suffering. When Paul was writing this, he wasn't in the most comfy place ever. But yet you see this word joy over and over and over and over. Uh, you would think us today, we would have this joy that just entrenched us, that just poured all over us because of the blessings that God has given to you and myself. But so often what we meet somebody new and they have an amazing house, they have a beautiful car, they have beautiful children, they have everything needed. But for some reason, there's that thing called J-O-Y that's missing. And it's like, how is this even possible? So to start out this morning, I want to ask you a quick question. Um, who has ever been involved in a, any type of race, whether it was a marathon, a, uh, a bike race, a bike ride? Um, oh, we need to get healthy people. Come on. <laughs> All right. There's some more. There's some more. Um, how many of you, when you were young, you just loved to race? You loved to run? Let's see it. You just loved to like, yeah, all right, there's some more. There's some more. Um, of course, you look at running and racing. This is something that is not new. It's not like uh, there's something that it just kind of came around. Last week, I was able to actually be a part of a ride, and I, it was my first experience with like an organized ride, an organized race. It was a bicycle race. I have a, there they are. There's a few pictures. It was like everywhere you could look, it was spandex everywhere. That's all I got to say. It was bike helmets and like all, it was uh, pretty amazing. But when we were registering, we walked in. I didn't realize this was going to happen. Um, I ended up getting this amazing bag, but in this amazing bag, it's like the swag bag, right? This is the best part of any ride or race. This is amazing. So you want to see what I got in my swag bag? You guys ready for this? Oh, buckle up. It's, it's going to be good. All right, let's see. I got a water bottle. That's exciting. All right, let's see here. What else? Let's, let's see here. What else? Ooh, wristband. Yeah, I love that. Yes. Need those. Headband. Oh, yeah. Let's see here. T-shirt. The softest T-shirt ever. I'm going to tell you that right now. This microfiber towel that absorbs all kinds of stuff when you're riding. This sweet jersey that has pockets. I didn't know bike jerseys had pockets in the back. Absolutely incredible. All right. Oh, we're, we're, we're not done yet. Another wristband. All right. Love. All right. Let's see here. I got this sweet hoodie. Oh, man. It just keeps coming. And then I didn't realize it. Ryan did. He, my buddy. He drug me along to this. Uh, there's like a swag bag in the swag bag, right? So there's like all kinds of like coupons and like, I'm not sure what that is. Uh, hand sanitizer. Oh, yeah. There's all kinds. I mean, this was ridiculous. Uh, this is, uh, in case you need it, uh, this is uh, SPF 30 sunscreen spray. All right. So there was all kinds of stuff. This was incredible, right? You want to know what was not in this bag? I was a little bit frustrated. There was no medal, right? There was no trophy in the bag. I was so bummed. Like, you're looking through it. Nobody would expect that, right? Nobody would expect me to go in there and, like, pull out a medal. This is what I got in the beginning of the race. It doesn't happen that way, right? When do you get the medal typically in a ride or a race? You get the medal at, of course, the end when you finish. You know, this is a fun little part of the, you know, this allows you to look like a racer. This allowed me, I was not a bicyclist. I had my... Uh, my, I get rid of all this stuff. I had my $200 Schwinn that I bought from Target. I mentioned that story way back. Uh, so I had my bike helmet I got for like 10 bucks on Amazon, but I start putting all this stuff on. Man, I look good, right? This is like, I look like a rider. I look like a racer. And you think this through, it's like we, we are infatuated. We are a culture that's infatuated with competition, aren't we? We're, we, this is not something that's new to just us. This is something that goes back thousands and thousands of years. I guarantee you the first two brothers, if you look in Scripture, Cain and Abel, uh, we don't see it in Scripture, but I guarantee you they're probably like one day going, hey, you see that tree over there? 
I bet I can beat you over there, right? You know they were doing that. The first two brothers. And then Adam steps in. He's like, oh, yeah? <laughs> Eve's over there just shaking her head like, you got to be kidding me, guys. <laughs> you know, you think this through. When Paul gets up to the point that we're talking about in the series, this is, you know, about 2,000 years ago, there was all kinds of competitions that were going on at this point in time. As you look through the book of Philippians and you look through the other letters that Paul writes, you start seeing this like competition, this racing, this, this running, the, these, this idea of prizes. You start seeing this all throughout. So if you look back through history, you're going to see there was these uh, all Greek games that they were a part of. There was these uh, uh, pan-Hellenic games. And of course, the big daddy of them all came pretty soon after that, which is, of course, the, the Olympics. You know, this was something that was not new. So when Paul starts writing to them, he starts using phrases like, I must press on. I must achieve the prize. It's like this whole idea of pressing on. It's like, you know, that runner that's running and they start like just reaching out that very last minute just to cross that finish line. That's like, Paul, why are you saying that to these churches that you must press on? You must keep going. You must keep striving. You cannot look back. Why are you saying this? Because no church was perfect. No church was, was perfect, and Paul realized that this culture, man, they love competition. They love running, they love racing, they loved every little bit of it. And so he's kind of like introducing this idea into their, into their, into his writing, and they're going, okay, okay, this makes sense. I get this now. And so, of course, Paul was sitting there trying to encourage them. This was a church, like I said, that had some problems. There was persecution that did come at this point in time. If you look in history, you go a little bit further, Rome eventually made Christianity the world, the world religion, which is kind of hilarious, you know, I mean, but at this point, it was not that, you know, Caesar was Lord, that was the, that was the deal, Caesar was Lord, not this carpenter that's Jewish that died and supposedly came back, you know, they're trying to figure that out, and Paul's going around going, no, he did come back, it did happen, he's Lord, and so this whole thing created chaos and created conflict. And so this church was dealing with this. They were dealing with persecution. If you had a business and all of a sudden you came out and you said, you know what, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a part of the way, all of a sudden people might not frequent your business. Business starts going down, finances start getting to be a problem. You have family members, right? You go over and they're like, oh, so-and-so gave their life to Christ, you know, and they roll their eyes, you know. It's like, oh, Really? I mean, there was all kinds of weird things going on. Understand when you said, you know what, I'm going to be a part of this, you kind of got thrown into this group of people because it was the only group there. It was the only church in town. You know, here, of course, you know, nowadays, 2,000 years later, there's churches everywhere. You know, you, you, you can drive by probably 10 other churches on the way to get, to get to this one. At that point, it wasn't. So whoever was there was there. I mean, that you got thrown into this group. And so there were people that rubbed each other the wrong way. There were some annoying people in this church, okay? We have no one annoying here at all, okay? But this church had some annoying people, all right? And so there's these phrases that Paul's like, you know what? Stop arguing. You know what? Don't, don't bicker. Don't complain. Don't argue. And so he's trying to get them to understand it's more than just them. It's more than about them. There's more to this. And so as we see, we see this passage, we start seeing these themes kind of just coming out, Today's, today's message, I'm going to warn you, is not one that's like going to sit too easy, all right? Because there's themes that start popping out in this text as we read through it, and it's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable, and that's good, because that's why we should come to church. I want to encourage you. I want to lift you up. You know, the music should be emotional, and it should be like, we're, gonna, we're worshiping God, our Savior, but you know what? There's times we look in the text and we go, you know what? That hits home. You're hitting me a little too close there. So today that might do that, and so there's a number of different things that kind of pop out in this passage, and I love when a passage has like that one main thing, and there's a couple main things, but 
I feel like you're, you're going to be able to get something. So Philippians 3, verse 10, we hit this a little bit last week, but we're going to start there. So if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open that up. Um, if you do not, it will appear on the screen. You can pull it up on your phone. Starts out with this, I want. Paul's telling him, this is what I want. This is what I want. All right, two words in and we're stopping. I know, it's going to be a long morning. <laughs> this is what I want. He, he, Paul knows what he wants. This is his like, personal mission statement. Do we know what we want? Do you know what you want? If you know what you want, you can kind of figure out some things in life. If you know what you want in life, you can kind of figure out where all your time is going, where all your energy is going. You can, it really starts making sense if you can really narrow it down. I encourage you to get to, into a nice, quiet place, just you and the Lord, and say, okay, where, is, where are the wants? What do I seriously want, God? Because we want all kinds of things, don't we? There's all kinds of stuff that we can want. Here's what Paul is saying that he wants. You ready for this? This is his little mission statement, his personal declaration, I want to know Christ. Woo, yeah, come on, Paul, right? That is awesome. This is what he's telling them. He didn't have to tell them this, but he's saying this. I want to know Christ. Paul, you are the apostle Paul. If anybody knows Christ, you know Christ. He's like, no, I know that he knows me, and he knows, and Paul was a good boy. He was, he's a good Hebrew boy. He knew the Old Testament. He read Proverbs. He read Psalms. He read the passage where it said, hey, before you were even born, I knew you, right? I know the, the hair that's on your head. How many? I've counted them every single day. Everyone that falls out, I know how many. Paul knew all those passages. He's going in his soul. He knew that, you know what? The creator knows me, but man, I don't know if I fully know him. And you're going, you got to be kidding me, man. Anybody should have that connection. It should be the apostle Paul. And he goes on here. He says this, I want to know Christ. And you're like, well, Okay, the story of Christ is a little conflicted, right? Because he's God, but yet he's also man. He came to this earth in this humble way. He came to the earth and he was born in the stable, but yet <laughs> now he's glorified. He, he ended up on a cross. And if you think of a split rail fence, right? That roughness, you know, think of that. And just imagine like rubbing your back up and down against that. I mean, that is, he's on this cross and you just think about it. I, it's brutal. It's this picture of brutality, and so there's this, there's this side of Christ, right, that's just like, man, I do not wish that upon anyone. But then there's this other side, as we looked at earlier, Christ is exalted, name above every name. We are going to bow <laughs> in front of him, right? He is glorified. He's at the right hand of God. So you have the cross, but you have glorification, right? You have this humble, but you're exalted, you know? And, and Paul's like, I want to know every part of him, every part of him. And so he goes on here. This is what he ends up saying. This is what he wants to know, right, about Christ. These are the four things. He lists four things here. So I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Yeah, right? That's the glorification side. That's, you know, when, you know, God is high and mighty sitting on the throne next to, I mean, he's, Jesus is the exalted. That's beautiful. I can get behind that 100%. Then all of a sudden he goes into the other side. He says this, and participation in his suffering participation that's a voluntary word right i'm going to go ahead and participate <laughs> i'm going to go ahead and be a part of that i'm going to be a part of this ride why because you know what i wanted to be there i wanted to do it right i wanted to be in that paul's saying i'm going to participate in the suffering well i can buy this you know the exalted jesus someday i will bow my knee before him and i will you know be excited and we will worship and we will be there but all of a sudden we're like you know what Okay, on this side, he did suffer, 
And Paul's saying, I want to understand that more. I want to feel that. I want to be a part of that. And I, everything in my soul, everything in my being does not like that, right? Because we're human. And I want to avoid pain. And I want to avoid conflict. And I want to avoid things that do not make me feel good. And Paul's saying, I want to, I want to experience that voluntarily. Well, this is weird, right? Because there's so many things that we want... There's so many things that we desire, and there's, there's issues that come into our life, and we're not just talking about, you know what, I lost my job, and you know, there was difficulty, and Lord, can you please help me find a new job? We're not talking about that. Oh, I just got the flu, and I went to camp, and I'm, you know, I got the sniffles now when I came back. I'm like a walking zombie, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not just the day-in, day-out stuff. It's the voluntary stuff where we put ourselves in positions that invite persecution. This is what he's talking about. I want to participate in the suffering. Paul is not at a retreat center right now. He's not on vacation. He's not on the beach, even though I love those waves back there when they were crashing, right? When we were singing that song, it was beautiful. I love waves. He's not at the beach. Where is he at? He's in chains. He's in chains. This is where he's at. So when Paul says this, I want to, I want to understand the suffering. We're like, Paul, you're in prison, bro. Four years in. Four years you've been incarcerated. In chains, chained to another human being so he can't run away. He wants to be a part of it. He wants to know it more. He wants to get it. And he goes on, he says this, becoming like him in his death. Once again, death. But then he finishes strong with this. He says, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So that's over here. So it's like he's bouncing. He's kind of all over the place. He's there. He's here. He's all over the place. We look at this, and I, I just try to, try to understand this a little bit better. And it's, it's, it's difficult, because the things we want is simply this. It's like, I want to be included. You know, I, I, I don't want anyone to ever make fun of me. That's in our desires. That's in our heart. I need a safe place. I want a safe place. I want a safe place where I can say the things that are in my heart, my mind. And I don't want anybody to judge. I don't want any judgment at all. That's what I want. And to voluntarily put yourself into the suffering of Christ might mean that there might be some judgment from other people, because guess what? We are never promised. We are never promised a nice and clean and simple life. We are never promised that. God desired that for us. Sin entered the world through stupid decisions from the first couple that lived, right? We inherited this thing called the sin nature, the curse. We inherited that. Nobody has to teach us how to steal that cookie from the cookie jar. Nobody has to teach us how to lie. We have that in us. You know, we want things like, I just want to be heard. I just want to be understood. I just want that right person. I just want that good relationship. I mean, there's so many things that we desire that we want. And Paul's saying, you know what I want? I want to identify. Yeah, this is, these are hardships that absolutely could be avoided. You think about how, how else we can do this. Those of you that have fostered in the room, you know, those that have put yourself out there to be able to take children into your life, knowing that someday they could exit your life. I mean, why would you do that? That's crazy that you're inviting heartache. No, you know what? There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture. There's something more. There's something beyond. You know, it's the business owner that is doing everything that he possibly can do right. Why? Because his morals dictate. Why? Because Scripture teaches him to do things the way God would be proud of. You know, I mean, we can go on and on and on. You know, it's that family that is trying to do everything they can to 
get to church and to raise their kids in the right way. That's not easy these days. You know, that's inviting the suffering. That's inviting this. It goes on in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He's saying, you know, personally, I'm not there yet. (laughs) He's already admitted he doesn't know Jesus Christ as well as he wanted to. I want to know him more. I want to understand him better. And then he goes on to this and says, you know what? I'm not there yet. A mark of a mature Christian, a mark of a mature believer is realizing you're not there yet. But another mark of a mature Christian is going, I'm striving to get there. You don't get a free pass. There's no free passes, right? Oh, I just do this. It's, see, I'm human. I'm just a guy. That's what guys do. No, 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 no. Get out of that mentality. Erase that. Forget that. It's further than that. You're thinking, you know what, I want to be this very mature Christian because when I get to that great by and by, when I get to the other side, when I get to heaven, when I am there, when I am heaven bound, right, I'm going to stand before my maker and I'm going to bow my knee before Christ and he's going to look at me and I want to make sure that I did my best here. This makes sense. You know, he's saying, you know what, I am not there yet. Have you ever seen those pictures? Man, they suck you in. I'll like watch videos, you know, on YouTube or whatever it is. It's like the finish line failures. You know, you've seen them before. They're running, and the guy's like, yeah, right? He's like so excited. He's getting there, and he's looking at the crowd, and then somebody blows by him at the last second. You know, it's like, no, right? And if you look at how many times it's been viewed on, on YouTube or whatever, it's like millions. It's like finish line failure. And Paul's going, you know what? I'm not quite there yet, but man, I'm going. I'm pressing. I'm working hard. I'm doing what I can to keep moving. This whole idea, you know, to me is just, man, how, how are we running? Man, how are we running? He goes on in verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet have taken hold of it. It, what? What is it? It's this idea of the prize. Well, what's the prize? It's understanding Christ fully. It's this true, this, this relationship that is unlike any other. When you have a true relationship with Christ and it's maturing, guess what? You don't need any person to fill in the gaps. People are amazing. Don't get me wrong. Husbands, wives, you know, kids, children, I mean, grandchildren. I mean, it's just they're gifts from the Lord, right? But so many times what we do, we put people, we put people inside of that place and God's going, no, 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 it's you and me, you and me, you and me. And this is, of course, what God desires. He goes on, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, and straining towards what is ahead, forgetting what is behind me. I don't know about you, but, you know, my memory is pretty vivid of all kinds of weird, crazy things. You know, so many times what our past is what? So vivid to us. The things that we've gone through, so vivid to us. And it's okay to visit the past when you're working on the past. And it's okay to go backwards to make sure that something is taken care of. Because so many times what do we, we move forward in life and we've never dealt with something from our childhood. We've never dealt with something from our teenage years, our college years, maybe that first marriage, second marriage, third marriage. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like we haven't dealt through that. We haven't worked through that. So, hey, let's go back here. Let's get some work done. And now let's keep moving. And that's okay. And that's all right. And that's what we should do. But understand, so many of us live in the past. And that even comes with our successes as well. Oh, remember that time way back in junior high when I went to church camp and I gave my life to Christ? You're like 40 now, right? And that's the highlight of your life. You know what I'm saying? That's a problem. There should be more highlights. This is what we were talking about last week. So last week it was like, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. And it's like, it shuts out these moments with the Lord. And God's going, I want to connect with you daily, weekly, monthly. I want to connect with you. 
And so often we look at all the good stuff we do and we're like, he's proud of me, he's proud of me. And we're like, he's like, yeah, just, it's you and me, let's just connect on a real level. And it's like, I'm going to do this, 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 this. And we want to do those things because Jesus Christ died for us. But understand that does not. The good things we do in our lives to, to kind of show him that we love him does not take the place of that true connection. And so many of us get to that spot. He says this, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've said this before, I love prizes, you know. I mean, you get a prize, you get a medal, you get a trophy. And it's like a piece, when I really realized, I'm like, this is not gold at the top of this trophy. I was a little bit like, this is plastic. I, was, I, remember, I still remember I'm going, this is cheap. Like, this thing's like, you know, most of us, if you're adults, what, if you're like 40 or more, you probably have thrown away your trophies by now. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's sad. I mean, you know, when you're young, you're growing up. I went to my daughter's room this morning. I was trying to steal one of her trophies. I'll be honest, right? I didn't steal it. You know, I was going to actually show it. But, you know, it's like she has them displayed in her window. You know, and it's cool. I mean, it's like, that's what you do. And you get to that point where it's like, you get to that point where you're like, you know what? It's more than just that piece of plastic. It's more than just that, that thing. You know, where the prize is more. And, of course, the spiritual life, the prize absolutely is more. You think of Paul. Paul's past was crazy. I mentioned this last week, a week before. I mean, you want to try to, you know, like Paul, you got to think about him. He had this religious resume that was incredible. Right? Remember, we talked this through. He was like, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a Pharisee. He's like, I went to school when I was young. I had a rabbi that taught me. I mean, he's listing out. He's listing out every, his resume was incredible. He's like, I got to put that aside. But I also have to put the past aside because understand, Paul was one of the most, he experienced and witnessed some brutal, brutal things. Some of you that have been to war, some of you that have been in the military and have gone and fought, God bless your soul. PTSD is something that's very, very real. Seeing things you wish you would never have seen and trying to erase those memories are very, very difficult. This is what Paul dealt with. He watched a man just get just killed right in front of him as he said, yes, 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 and he gave his approval. He beat all kinds of people. He drug people back so that they could be executed. I mean, the things that he did in the name of Christ was insanity. And now he's on the other side of it going, how in the world could I have done that? Paul put his head down on the pillow, I guarantee you, at night, and he had memories flood his memory that he was going, I need to put this back there. I need to shove this behind me. I need to move forward. So when Paul says, I must keep moving, I can't look back, man, he can identify with you. He's speaking to us. You know, it's this whole idea of just, you know, it's like, why do we not want the things that he wants? You know, why, why, <laughs> if somebody came up to us and just simply asked us, hey man, what do you want? Why wouldn't the first thing be out of our mouth? I want to understand his suffering better. That's the craziest thing ever, right? Nobody would really say that. Why? Why? You know, it's this idea that's like, you know, how are we actually running? You know, there's a difference between a morning jog you know, in a marathon, right? I mean, there's a difference between like a true race, you know, and actually like, you know, just going out, hey, I'm going to get some exercise and get my heart beating a little bit faster. You know, when I was this, uh, two weeks ago when I was doing this ride, I had to keep reminding myself that it was a ride <laughs> and it was not a race. It was a benefit cancer and it was to do everything they could, to, you know, for research. And so it was a great, great uh, reason to obviously get a number of people together 
But man, I could not shut it off. I'm going to be honest with you. I could not shut it off. I got on that bike and I was like, oh, I'm going to beat everybody. <laughs> so I was like, I am going to win this darn race is what I was going to do. I didn't take any water. <laughs> Ryan, the guy that was with me, he was like, oh man, at the pit stops, they have incredible oranges and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'm like driving by the pit stops. I'm like, I want to stop so bad, but I wasn't going to do it because I'm like, I got to beat everybody, right? I'm like, I can shave off three minutes if I don't stop. <laughs> it must keep going. You know, it's like in our lives, our spiritual lives, what? So many of us, what are we doing? We're just riding. We're just riding along. We're just casual. No big deal. And God's going, God's going, I need you to get on your bike and I need you to pump them legs as hard as you can pump them and keep pumping them more and more and more. And by the time you get tired, go ahead and pump them more because I'm going to give you some more energy. I'll be that, that orange and that peanut butter and jelly sandwich for you. This is what he wants. He doesn't want us to just be like, oh, this casual little ride. You know, I'm just cruising along my spiritual journey. It's not what he wants. He wants us to race. He doesn't want us to look back. Man, this whole time I'm just sitting there like, oh, man, you know, who's, who's around me? Who's around me? I got halfway through this. I'm like, I don't think one person's passed me yet. And then like the last five miles, oh, my goodness, I couldn't even keep up. It was like people zipping by me, zipping by me. And I'm just doing this the whole time. Like, who, where are they coming from? Where are they coming from? God's like, I want you to race. I want you to finish strong. And I want you to keep going. He goes on in verse 17. He says this, join together, and this is like another thought, right? Here's another thought kind of coming at you. Maybe this one's for you. I'm not sure. But this is what he says. He says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. He's saying, you know what? I've tried to live a good life in front of you. I've tried to do what is right in front of you. This is so important because in order to run the race strong, in order to finish strong, there has to be people that we look at. There has to be someone ahead of us that, you know what, they're not going to be perfect. They're not going to look like a spiritual rock star, but you know what they are going to look like? Consistent. You know what they are going to do? They're going to try to do everything to further their relationship with the Lord. You're going to see them. You're going to understand that, you know what, they know their word. They know, they know, they know scripture. When they say they, they're going to pray for you, they're really going to pray for you, and it's not just lip service and like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for that. And it's like, oh, okay, I've heard that one 10 times a day already. <laughs> That's someone that you want to follow. What do we do so often? When I say follow, what's the first thing you think of, right? Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be. What is Paul saying? He's saying this. He's like, so often, what do we do? We look and we scroll. Now it's this way, right? Because it's stories, right? Now it's stories. So we're like doing this and this and this and this, right? And we're following all kinds of people that don't necessarily have the lifestyle or the idea, the worldview, or the morals that we should have. And so we're constantly entrenching ourselves into other people's lives that are not running the same race that we're running, and what Paul is saying here, he's like, follow us as we are a good example. And so many Christians, right, because it's like, we must be in the world but not of the world. So many Christians, what, we, we're, we're in the world and we're, we're, we're like, we get all these messages and it gets fuzzy and blurry and we're, we're like, you know what, well, here's some messaging over here. This person, man, it's all about where they're going and it's all about what the accomplishments they, they have here. And there's so many things that just get so clouded. And Paul's going, man, just... I'm not saying it's bad to have, you know, I follow the rock, okay, whatever, right, on Instagram, okay? I'm not saying it's bad to do that, but man, when you're entrenching yourself, you know, in it every single day and you're looking at that and that's your motivation, it's wrong, it's wrong. Simple, done, it's wrong. That's not who we should be looking for for motivation. We should be going, I want to understand the suffering, right? That's 
And how do we do that? You know? Yeah, get up and get in the Word. Get up and pray. Pray without ceasing. Talk to the Lord. Turn the radio off. Get rid of the Spotify. Do whatever you got to do. Turn off the television. Whatever it is that you need to do, Paul's saying, you know what? You know, what does this look like? It's, if you're a married couple, if you're, if you're married, right, you have that married couple ahead of you that you're like, you know what? They, they have a solid marriage. And you know they've gone through some stuff, right? And you know their marriage almost came to an end, but somehow they made it through. And they kept going. And they might not be perfect, and maybe they throw, you know, they throw stuff at each other at times or whatever it might be. You know, they're not perfect. But you know what? They're consistent. And they love each other. And they go out on dates. And you can tell when they're together that it's something special. Okay. You know what? Like, for my marriage, that's what I'm going to look at. And maybe it's the guy that understands, you know what? This world is not about the accomplishments. Because, gentlemen, we love accomplishments, right? We want to win. We want to do everything we can to be that first place. It's that guy that comes along and he realizes that, wait a minute, he, <laughs> he has another motivation. It's that woman that realizes it's not all about herself. It's, it's more than herself. Wow. It's consistent over and over and over. Paul's saying, you've got to put those kind of people in your life. And Paul's telling this group, this church, he's telling them, listen, this is what I need you to do. I need you to find some people that love the Lord that you can look to. Because in a race, what do racers do? They all get in a pack. You know, I didn't realize this. I started doing some research after my bike ride. I'm like, why do I see packs going by me? It's like that drafting, right? Where I just thought it was real in NASCAR, but I realized it's actually real in other things too, like bicycling. And, you know, you get behind somebody real, real close. And what happens? The, the wind, it, like, it, it drags you along. It's that whole mentality. It's like in a race. It's like you're racing, but you're coming behind somebody. It's like they're blazing the trail. They went through the hard stuff so that you might not have to. That's a beautiful thing. Paul's saying, this is what I need. He goes on in verse 20, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. So now he transitions all this. He's trying to get them to understand this. And this is where like our culture is me, 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 right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. You know, I don't want suffering. I want to do everything I can to have a pain-free day, right? But all of a sudden you start realizing, wait a minute, suffering is going to be a part of the Christian experience. And then have... <laughs> You hear that side, you're like, I don't know if I want to be a Christian, you know, but it is going to be a part of the Christian experience if you're truly trying to reach. He says this, he says this, he goes, but our citizenship is in heaven. So he's, he's going, it's not here. We must, we must get this picture of there. We must not think here. We must think there. Understand your life can be amazing and you can have great things and fine things or whatever it might be if God so blesses you. But understand it's okay when you start looking that way. Citizenship is interesting here because he's talking, and this resonated with them. Because this little city turned into this, like, military stronghold. All right? It turned into a pretty important city for the, the, the empire of Rome. And so what Rome did is they went in and said, okay, everyone that's in the city right now, you're a Roman citizen. <laughs> Blanket. Just made them citizens. So that was like, yeah, it's kind of like we're citizens of the United States of America. Man, that, you should be proud. Any country you come, to, come from, typically you have some roots. You know, you're like, you're proud of that. You're proud of that. You know, these people, they were, you know, obviously part of this community, but all of a sudden they became citizens of Rome. They had true citizenship. And he's going, you know what? Erase that. Erase that. <laughs> he's like, that's great. But you know what? Your citizenship is not here. You must not think here. You must think there. And this is what he's trying to get across to him. He keeps going, he says this, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. And I don't know about you, but this is a little bit disturbing when this last week, 
what, last Saturday? I mean, it was crazy town, right? I mean, some of you started telling me I kind of shut myself off to the world on Saturdays, I'll be honest with you. You know, I try not to like, you know, I'll still watch a little bit of Discovery Channel or something or if there's a good NBA game on. But, you know, as far as like world events, I try to just go, ah. Oh. And so last week I came in, there was, you know, people were like, did you hear about the shooting? Did you hear about the shooting? I'm like, oh, no, what? And there was two shootings. You know, and then you read this and you're like, you know what? It's like, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, everything, every part, and you go, okay, God, when is this going to come? Because this, that shootings and all that stuff is a part of the sinful world. We are looking to there. He's going to bring everything under his control. It was, and then a sin entered, right? And God let this story play out. We don't know why. If I was God, I'd be like, no. <laughs> he did. He let the story play out. Someday he's going to go, okay, it's my story again. It's going to be perfect again. Sin is going to be vanquished permanently. Praise the Lord. He goes on, he says this, he says, by the power enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul's about 60, most likely, if you do the math. If you try to do the math, look at historians, they're going to say he's about 60 when he's incarcerated for the first time. Um, so you look at Paul, and he's already going, you know what, I'm looking past this life. It gets easier to look past this life when you, right, when you get a little bit older, and you're going, you know what, my back's hurting a little bit, right? And you know what, my knuckle doesn't quite work the same way. My finger keeps getting locked up. Like, you know, so when things start kind of breaking down on your body, you're just like, okay, okay, Paul's like 60. He cannot wait. Someday we will have glorified bodies. We're all going to be chiseled, right? We're going to have six packs, right? We're going to be like, oh, man, it's going to be amazing. It's not about that, right? I mean, it's... It's about being with God, but someday we will have these glorified, amazing bodies. Some would say it looks like a, an angelic body, very similar to an angelic body, whatever that is. All I know is it's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. That's what we got to look forward to, right? That's what we're looking towards. The second to the last prayer, if you, if you, if you see it in Scripture, come, Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> second to the last prayer. That's the mentality. That's the mentality. You know, there's this passage in Hebrews, and it's, it really plays into this. The Hebrew writer was writing to a group of people that were very beat up. He was writing to Hebrews that lived in Rome. And once again, persecution was real. It was, it was over the top. It was happening all the time. So the writer of Hebrews, this is what he said. You ready for this? I think it was Paul, but we're not quite sure. He said this. This is uh, Hebrews uh, 10.33. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Says this, at another time you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourself had better and lasting possessions. You're getting baptized, and as you look out of the corner of your eye, people are going into your house and taking your couch away. <laughs> and you're cool with it, and you're okay with it. Why? Because you know there's something better. You know there's something more than just this. This happens over and over and over. And he finishes up with this. This is verse 18. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, so Paul is crying at the end of this. He's crying as he's writing. He's like, I've told you this before. I'm going to tell you again, as I'm crying, many lives, have, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Many live as enemies? Who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. 
we can, you know what an enemy is? Man, I think we do. That's, I mean, it translates pretty well from the Greek to the English. An enemy is an enemy. It's someone that's it's opposing you. To think that we can be Christians and opposing God, how is that? Because we're on a ride. Because we're just kind of cruising along. You know, he's wanting us to what? He's wanting us to put on the jersey. This is what he's wanting us to do, right? He's wanting us to, like, gear up, right? He wants us to do, he wants us to get our towel, right, and our other t-shirt, and he wants, he wants us to do this. Oh, yeah, your pastor just did that, right? This is what he wants, right? Wait, the, the wristband, got to have this. All right, here we go. This is what he wants. Get on the bike, right? Get in the race. Get strong, man. Go after it. I don't want to be an enemy of the Lord. I know I look ridiculous, whatever, all right? You'll never forget this. Never forget this. Do you want to be an enemy? Do you want to get there someday? And God goes, you know what? You want to know something? You took more that direction than you did this direction. More people fell away from me because of the way you acted and responded to things, because you kept losing your temper, because of the things you kept posting, because of the things you kept saying. Doesn't fit real well, does it? Oh, yeah, you must have gained a little weight. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but seriously, so many of us are riding. We're just going for a ride. We're not putting on the sweatband. We're not putting on the helmet. We're not putting in the click-in shoes. We're not putting on anything that really matters. We're just cruising along, and, and, it's, and God's going up there. He's like, man. And Paul's crying as he's writing this because he's so afraid that this church is going to make enemies out of God. And he's so afraid that these believers that he poured himself into are going to take more people to hell than to heaven. This is real. My worst fear is that we raise up a generation, a church of half-believers, a church that have the, the saving knowledge of Christ, but do absolutely nothing with it. That the Lord never comes out of their mouth. Nothing is ever spoken. True wisdom is never given when you know what needs to be done. That is my fear. That is what's down deep. And he goes on, he says this, their destiny is, listen to this, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, the here, the now. I'm hungry, what do I want? I want to fill my belly, that's more important than sticking around and counseling somebody, right? I mean, it's just all about now, 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 me, 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 and this is what he's saying here. He says, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. It's all about the here and the now. This is the theme that Paul's trying to get across to these people in chapter 3 of Philippians. As he's writing this, he's just going, man, I hope you get it. It's not about here. We, we ride and we don't look back and we keep going and you got the sweatbands on and you got the helmet to protect yourself. You got everything you need. Now just go. And this is what we look at as a church. It's like, man, you come on Sunday morning and you get fed and you understand God's word so that you can go out there and you can be a light. The light can only shine so bright here. The church is not a building, let alone a middle school. The church is all of us going out. We are all supposed to be a light. And guess what? Somebody might come behind you and start drafting, right? Somebody might come behind you. What? And, they, and, and if you look back there and you start seeing someone that might need some counseling, they might need some encouragement. Guess what? They're looking to you. They're doing this. They're going, you know what? You've been there before. You've done that before. Let me... Let me just understand how you got through. Oh, that's beautiful. Most, most Bibles, they have verse 1 of chapter 4 kind of tucked in with chapter 3. 
And it starts with a therefore. We already said this. What's the therefore, therefore, right? Therefore, what's therefore, therefore? So he's saying this in comparison to chapter 3, and this is where we'll end today. It's simply this. He says this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. You love these people, right? He's crying over them. He loved these people. He's like, you're my joy, my crown. He's making sure they understand this. And he says this, stand firm in the Lord. In this way, dear friends. So what is at his heart? You know, he says, what I want, what I want is to know Christ and his suffering and also his glorification. I want to know what he did for me here, but I also cannot wait to be with him there. This is what he's saying, but he's going, you know what I want for you guys? I want you to stand firm in the persecution, whatever it might be that faces you, stand firm one day at a time. Yeah, look at the past and we can go back there to fix something or whatever. You know what? We're going this direction and we're going to have some new wins and we're going to do some amazing things with the Lord and our relationship will be renewed every single day with him. Do you have salvation? Absolutely. Are you sealed to the day of redemption? 100% if you've given your life to Christ. But understand, he wants us to come alongside. Wake up in the morning and go, you and me, you're my Lord and Savior. Your will, not my will. This is what we're going to do today. How can I connect with you, Jesus? <laughs> That's what he wants. And this is what Paul's writing. This is what he's crying over. Tears. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I just want to encourage you as we finish out this service. I want to encourage you just to be able to uh, just open your heart. Just be able to talk to the Lord. How are you? How's your race? You're just kind of jogging aimlessly, not really knowing a destination. You personally with God, are you, are you all out? You got the headband on? Man, talk to the Lord. Say, you know what, Lord, I need some gear. I need to gear up because I, I need to start running this race. God, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for this group that came here, Lord, to hear your word, Lord, and to connect with you through worship. Lord, this is quite the passage, and there's a lot in this. Lord, my prayer is that we would take this to heart, and whatever is resonating in the souls of those in this room, Lord, that they would ponder that this week, Lord, they would think through it this week, that they would make changes if they need to. Lord, help us to put you first. Help us to get on our bikes, Lord. Help us to strap on our shoes. Help us to please you, Lord. Help us to honor you by the race that we are running in this life. Help us not to be enemies. We don't want to be an enemy of you, Lord. I want to make sure people see eternity, not a false version of who you really are. Oh, Lord, we love you so very much. I pray these things in your name. Thank you.